In today's brief, we'll talk about the Russian attack on Nova Poshta, running out of artillery, and an escalation in hybrid warfare. I'm Linnea, and today is Monday, October 23rd, 2023. You're listening to the Ukraine War Brief podcast, where we bring you up to speed on the war in Ukraine in about 20 minutes or less. Let's get started with the news from the front. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported that Russian losses over the weekend included 46 tanks, 96 armored combat vehicles, or ACVs, 45 artillery systems, three multiple launch rocket systems, or MLRS, three anti-aircraft systems, 10 unmanned aerial vehicles, called UAVs or drones, and 2,640 personnel. In the Eastern Theater of Operations, the Institute for the Study of War, or ISW, reported on Saturday that Russian forces tried to launch an attack towards Avdiivka again, with marginal success north of Avdiivka near the Waste Heap area. The ISW noted, however, that the pace of Russian offensive operations near Avdiivka have decreased somewhat, and UK Defense Intelligence reported yesterday that the recent Russian assaults on the Avdiivka front have contributed to a 90% increase in Russian casualties reported by the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense, or MOD. They also stated that it's likely Russia has suffered between 150 and 190,000 so-called permanent casualties, that means those who are killed and permanently wounded, since the full-scale invasion in February 2022 with total casualties between 240 and 290,000. It's worth noting that while total casualties includes those temporarily wounded and capable of returning to the battlefield, it does not include casualties of any kind from any of the private military companies, or PMCs, or Storm Z penal units. Russia continues to have significant resources in the area, though, and have started utilizing new tactics, according to spokesman for the Ukrainian 110th Separate Mechanized Brigade Anton Kotsukun, including using remote-controlled vehicles and digging tunnels to get closer to Ukrainian positions without being detected. In the southern theater of operations, Russian forces are struggling to interdict Ukrainian efforts to supply and reinforce newly captured positions on the east bank of the Dnipro in Kherson Oblast, according to the ISW. Russian sources have reported combat engagements near Pishchanivka, 10 kilometers east of Olishki. BBC Russia reported that Ukrainian forces are fighting to take full control of Krynki, about 20 kilometers further east than Pishchanivka, while some Russian sources claim that Ukraine has full control of the village, and others report Ukrainian forces have been observed 2 kilometers south. UK Defense Intelligence reported over the weekend that it's likely 14 Russian helicopters were destroyed in the Atakum strikes last week, nine at the airfield in Berdyansk, and five at the airfield in Luhansk, assessing that this will have significant impact on Russian capabilities on the front, creating additional pressure on Russian pilots and airframes that are almost certainly already suffering from combat exhaustion and maintenance issues due to the so-called special military operation lasting far longer than originally anticipated. In the temporarily occupied territories, the United Nations Independent International Commission of Inquiry on Ukraine released a report on Friday on their investigation into rape and torture in occupied Ukrainian territories. 
The content of the report is graphic, and this portion of the brief might make some people uncomfortable. Please feel free to skip ahead about 50 seconds to the next section. The UN Commission found new evidence that Russian authorities committed numerous war crimes, including torture, rape and other sexual violence, killing of civilians, and the deportation of children to Russia, emphasizing that torture has been used, quote, in a widespread and systematic way in various types of detention facilities which they, referring to Russian authorities, maintained, end quote. The report documented a number of instances in which Russian soldiers forcibly entered houses in occupied villages, raped women, and in at least one instance, a 16-year-old girl, and, quote, committed additional war crimes against the victims and their family members, end quote, noting that in some cases, the rape victims and other family members were executed. On the home front, Ukraine has increased the density of minefields on its northern border dramatically, with more than 500,000 anti-tank mines having been placed along the border with Belarus, according to Lieutenant General Serhii Nayev, commander of the Ukrainian Operational Command North. You might remember that Belarus was used by Russian forces as a primary attack route early in the full-scale invasion, enabling Russia to drive massive columns of personnel and equipments towards Kyiv. Russian forces launched two S-300 anti-aircraft missiles towards Kharkiv on Saturday night, destroying the Kharkiv-Novoposhta terminal just outside the city, killing six workers and wounding 16. According to a Novoposhta source cited by Live Ukraine, quote, Our colleagues spent the last seconds of their lives helping. They were sorting parcels with medicines and humanitarian aid for civilians affected by the war. End quote. Nova Poshta is a private shipping and logistics company that is often among the first to set up shop in liberated communities. In an interview over the summer, co-owner Vyacheslav Klimov stated that, quote, We arrive in the deoccupied territories just after Ukrainian troops, end quote, enabling other critical businesses to return by ensuring regular delivery of goods and supplies in addition to humanitarian aid. The company announced that it will be providing long-term financial support for the families of the employees who were killed. Three more Ukrainian children have been returned from Russian captivity as part of the Bring Kids Back UA action plan initiated by Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, according to Ukraine's ombudsman Dmitro Lubinets, who added that the mission was a cooperative effort between the Orphans Feeding Foundation, the NGO Heroyam Slava, and charitable foundation Smile USA. If you're enjoying the episode, please rate us and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to reach out to us via email at social at borlingen.media. That's B-O-R-L-I-N-G-O-N dot media. Moving on to the Russian Federation, the Estonian Defense Intelligence Center believes Russia's stockpile of artillery ammunition is running low, with approximately 4 million shells left, and the pace of production is not keeping up with the rate of expenditure. Yes, 4 million is a very big number, but even assuming a conservative 10,000 rounds per day, Russia would run out completely in just over a year. And Russia has, for the most part, used way more than 10,000 rounds per day. At its peak in 2022, Russia was burning through 60,000 rounds per day, 
and just this past summer were firing up to 30,000 rounds per day. This could explain the 350,000 shells Russia reportedly purchased from North Korea recently. Two trains collided in the Moscow metro earlier this month, according to Radio Liberty, due in large part to staff shortages as a result of the pandemic and the Russian invasion. A supervisor was reportedly operating one of the trains despite not being a driver, and upon investigation, it was determined that the supervisor had inexplicably turned off all of the train's safety devices. When asked about the issue, the head of the Moscow Metro Service confirmed that many of his drivers were, quote, taken to war, end quote. In News Worldwide, Romania announced that it is deploying an anti-drone system on its border with Ukraine following multiple incidents in which wreckage from Russian drones targeting Ukraine were found within Romanian territory. Last week, Ukraine and Romania signed a Memorandum of Understanding to expand cooperation between the countries, including a, quote, new approach, end quote, to preventing Russian attacks on Ukrainian infrastructure on the border with Romania, according to Romanian Prime Minister Marcel Cilacu. A German state-owned company, SEFE GmbH, continues to ship Russian liquefied natural gas, or LNG, to India under a so-called legacy contract that was in place prior to Germany taking over the company last year. Given the unique circumstances, it's not subject to international sanctions, but it's still problematic for Germany, which has declared it wouldn't use gas products from Russia due to the full-scale invasion. SEFE could breach the contract and end ties to Russia completely, but that's pretty unlikely given that it could cost German taxpayers to the tune of 10 billion euros. That's about 10.6 billion U.S. dollars. According to a Pentagon analysis presented to the United States Congress this past week, China's relationship with Russia and its support of the war in Ukraine is complicated. While China provides political and diplomatic support, as well as limited military aid, the report notes that, quote, China remains suspicious of Russia's intentions. The Chinese Communist Party still draws on Russia's past humiliation of China, such as the signing of unjust border treaties that ceded large swaths of Chinese territory to the Russian Far East as a source of nationalism, end quote. China isn't the only one sleeping with one eye open, as it were. The report states that structural inequities within Russia leave Moscow concerned that, quote, China may encroach on its interests, exploit Russian weakness, or relegate Russia as the inferior partner in their relationship, end quote. Of note, the report suggests that Russia's decision to launch the full-scale invasion took China by surprise, but that Beijing has sought to maintain a balance between its close ties to Moscow and its own image of neutrality, following Russian narratives that align with its own interests, and not condemning the war, or, for that matter, referring to Russia's actions as a war. Speaking of terminology Russia considers objectionable, Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov stated that U.S. President Joe Biden's comparison of Russian president-slash-dictator Vladimir Putin with Palestinian terrorist group Hamas was, quote, unacceptable, calling it, quote, hardly suitable for responsible state leaders, end quote. Gentle reminder that the European Parliament declared Russia to be a state sponsor of terrorism in 2022, so the comparison is not without merit. 
Roughly one-third of humanitarian aid donated to the Ukrainian military over the last year did not reach military units, according to a joint investigation by Ukraine's State Customs Service and the MOD. More than 9,000 deliveries of humanitarian aid to 200 military units were verified, but the investigation was unable to find evidence that 3,000 of those cases made it to their intended units. Customs officers have made almost 400 reports of illegal acts under the Criminal Code of Ukraine and 320 on violations of customs rules regarding humanitarian aid in an effort to identify and hold the perpetrators accountable. In a message sent to embassies in more than 90 countries, the U.S. stated, quote, Russia is pursuing operations to degrade public confidence in the integrity of elections, end quote warning that Russian intelligence is increasing its efforts to destabilize democracies by amplifying doubts about the legitimacy of vote counting and elections and the reliability of democracy itself. This is a clear escalation of hybrid warfare tactics from Russia's advocacy, both covert and overt, for individual candidates in other countries whom it feels align with its agenda. Russia is still leaning into its existing intelligence techniques, The Russian Geographical Society is apparently trying to recruit spies in Norway, according to Russian investigative journalists, who reported that an Oslo resident named Ivan claimed that Russian special services, under the guise of the Russian Geographical Society, had tried to recruit him via social media messengers to film military bases and energy infrastructure facilities in northern Norway, then travel to a geographical conference in Murmansk or Arkhangelsk, presumably to pass on that information. Let's talk military tech. Croatia has turned all of its MI-8 helicopters over to Ukraine, according to U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin last week, who also expressed appreciation for Croatia's forward deployment of forces to NATO battle groups in Poland, Lithuania, and Hungary, and donations of humanitarian aid. Germany sent another military aid package to Ukraine last week, including three Gepard self-propelled anti-aircraft guns, 20 RQ-35 Hydron and Vector reconnaissance drones, a Beaver bridge layer, three HX-81 tractors with semi-trailers, 13 Border Patrol vehicles, and 3,900 DM-125 155mm smoke artillery shells. Mikhailo Fedorov, Ukrainian Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Digital Transformation, announced that Ukraine has taken steps to accelerate the domestic production of radio-electronic warfare, or REW, equipment, and streamline the process for getting it into the hands of military personnel. A similar initiative accelerating the domestic production of drones and making them more accessible to the military proved quite successful. That's the brief for today. Remember to check your sources and don't fall for propaganda. Join us on YouTube and TikTok for more Ukraine content and live news reports. And if you haven't already, please consider subscribing to our work on Substack. We'll be back tomorrow with more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. Do pobachenya.